Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. All right, we had a short reprieve from UFC action. In fact, it'll be a whopping three days between events in Abu Dhabi, but the promotion's trip to Fight Island continues tomorrow night with the fight for the vacant UFC flyweight title, taking that elusive main event spot. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the UFC Fight Island 2 preview show here on MMAfighting.com. I am Mike Heck, being joined by the great Alex K. Lee, AK. Main event tomorrow night is the rematch for the 125-pound strap. Davis and Figueiredo versus Joseph Benavides. They're going to throw fisticuffs once again. And the big question heading into this fight, AK, and it became even more prevalent over the last week or so, is would Davis and Figueiredo make the weight? He didn't make it for the fight in February. This time, he had even more hurdles to leap over with the false positive COVID-19 test, a delayed arrival to Abu Dhabi, but... He did make the weight 125 pounds on the nose. So let me ask you, AK, how do you feel he looked on the scale? Did he seem like he was in a good place in your opinion? I thought he looked pretty good. I I saw some comments saying he looked a little bit drawn out, but I I didn't think so. I think he looked fit, maybe not as 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 uh, muscular and filled out as people would hope. But uh, who knows? You know, maybe between February and now, that's a long time. He may have made some actual, like, sort of substantial changes to his diet, to his physique, to just make that cut a little bit easier. Because he he is a big he is a bigger 125er. So if he had to actually like slim down, uh, that's a good thing. I I I know uh, again, people might be a little concerned, but. We've seen how sometimes people look on weigh-in day, and then uh, you know within 24 hours, when they, once they're rehydrated and, and back up, and uh, they they look fine. So I'm, I wasn't concerned about how he looked. I thought, I thought he looked good. I'm just glad he made 125. First fight was a lot of fun for as long as it lasted. And I assume this one will be no different. But in the end, Davis and Figueroa, with that power that he possesses, put Joseph Benavides away in the second round. And despite the finish, it was certainly a competitive fight. There was a headbutt mixed in there as well. So a lot of bizarre circumstances throughout the build to the first matchup and in the fight itself. So for Benavidez, what adjustments are you looking for him to make tomorrow night to to be a little more successful than he was back in February? You know, I don't know if there's a lot he needs to do because, again, it's not it's not like a, a Rose Navajunas, uh, Jessica Andrade situation where like Benavidez was winning the fight. And if it wasn't for that, head, it, it was a, a very even fight. Uh, a Figueredo certainly could have could have taken it even without without the headbutt that happened. Um, so I'm not sure how many adjustments he really needs to make. I think so much of it for Benavidez at this point in his career is mental. It's just getting over that hump. This is his fourth. Uh, shot at the at the uh, at the flyweight title. Uh, if I'm doing my, I think if I do my math correctly, yeah, his fourth shot at the UFC flyweight title. So uh, 
in his head, he has to kind of block out any thoughts of like, you know, uh, intangible things like jinxes, which I don't believe in. But I know if you're a professional athlete, it's hard not to think about all those times you came close and why, why do these things happen? Why did the guy miss weight? Why did that headbutt happen? You know, and it was neither a guy's fault. It was the definition of an external headbutt. So, uh, it really just a mental thing. Technique wise, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to offer any advice. Joseph Benavidez on how to handle the situation. He knows how powerful Figueroa is. He knew how powerful he was before that first fight, and 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 you know, he got caught in the headbutt and then caught by by Benavidez's hands. So, um, yeah, just really just mental adjustments, and uh, we'll see. Very difficult fight to predict. Yeah, I thought Benavidez at least early on in that first round, he was very technically sound. He was scoring, and then Figueroa was able to turn it into a little bit more of a firefight. At least that's that's what I saw, and that's when things started to change momentum. Because Benavidez, if you put him in that kind of situation, he loves that. He'll dive right into it, but that ended up, you know, costing him the fight in a lot of people's opinion. So for Figueroa, is it sort of the same game plan for him to try to turn it into a brawl and and try to get Benavidez to to bite on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, look, his confidence is through through the roof. As, as as far as he's concerned, he's the uncrowned champion. He he has even though Benavidez, let's not forget, for years was one of the probably one of the best finishers uh, at 125. It still is. I shouldn't say was. Uh, you know, for for a division where a lot of people say, oh, all the fights go to decisions. Some guys don't have any real power. Benavidez has always had power, and we know Figueroa has power. Uh, so yeah, for Figueroa, but he he's not afraid of it. He wasn't afraid of it in the first fight. He's not going to be afraid of it now. He knows in his head that he can finish. Uh, he can finish Benavidez. So, yeah, he'll definitely be looking to keep it a scrap. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know if Benavidez is going to care to adjust. Maybe he thinks, like I said, if it wasn't for that, just a couple of bad breaks, that he would have gotten the better of those exchanges. So, uh, yeah, I do think we'll see a fight similar to the first. Uh, I, I'm sure you're going to ask my prediction. I'll just tell you now. I am expecting it to go to a decision this time. I don't know if we'll see a finish, but I'm kind of waffling on who I think will win. Yeah, it's an interesting matchup because Benavides has said it multiple times now, and I think everyone would agree with this, is that he feels like this is his very last chance to become a UFC world champion. He seems to be the sentimental favorite heading in to this fight tomorrow night. Co-main event in the middleweight division, another fun one that has flown under the radar, much like this entire card, AK. Calvin Gasolum taking on Jack Hermanson, both guys looking to get back on track here. For a co-main event, you can't ask for much more than this fight. What do you think of this pivotal matchup at 185 pounds? Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, we'll be saying this a lot about about a lot of this card when you look at it up and down, uh, both in the the quality of like the quality of the matchups style wise, and also like you said, kind of where the people are at their careers. Like I don't see if you just take a glance. I don't see any real mismatches. There might be names that are more familiar to fans than others, but if you, you know, if you actually look at the results, look how these guys have been doing, it's like, yeah, this is this is a really solid well-built card, especially this co-main event. Because uh, Hermanson, you know, again, there's that setback to against Jared Cannonier. No shame in that. Uh, Jared Cannonier, of course, a uh, top top three contender right now. Um, so Hermanson, he's not far from getting back there. And uh, Gaslam, I know people will say, oh, he's lost his last two. One of those includes a title fight. So you know, anytime you include that in a losing streak, it's a little it's a little dubious, but. Uh, and the Darren Till fight, very competitive. So uh, what's great is how much is on the line here. And uh, again, style-wise, really good. We know both guys can go the distance, and we know both guys can finish. So um, kind of like the main event, hard to predict. But, man, really, really looking forward to it. Like you said, both guys, especially with the landscape of this division right now, they need a win here pretty badly to stay in contention somewhat, at least right now at 185 pounds. And like you said, Gaslam has lost two straight, one of which was that fight of the year contender against Israel Adesanya in that interim title fight. Would you say that, you know, at least looking at it on paper, that the lion's share of the pressure 
is on Kelvin Gastelum tomorrow night as opposed to Jack Hermanson. I mean, there's pressure in all fights, but I feel like in this one, Gastelum needs a win much more than Hermanson does. He definitely has more pressure. I don't think it's like a make or break thing for him as far as like, is this his last chance to prove he's a contender? Uh, Calvin is only, I'm just looking at Calvin is only 28 years old. So he's in the prime of his career. He, he's got quite a bit of mileage on him uh, and he's very familiar with the fans. So I know it's very easy to say if he doesn't win here, they're like, oh, that's it. He's just a gatekeeper. But we've seen stranger turnarounds. Again, Adesanya, you know, that's a champ losing him. That's a rematch. Still, pe- people still want to see a very competitive fight. Darren Till really making a big impact at 185. We'll see him later this month, of course. Uh, but Gaslam again, 28 years old in his prime. All he needs is, is is one or two big wins to get back in it. This could be one of them. Uh, but even if he doesn't get past Hermanson, I still think there's a lot of mileage left uh, uh, in him. I don't think you know he's always said he wants to go back to 170. I feel like that has to be impossible now. Um, and I and I hope that if he loses, people don't say he could, he should reconsider a drop back down because I think 185 really is his home. Um, and again, even if three straight losses happen, it's it's he's not that far off from from getting back into it. So uh, more pressure on him, but not like all the pressure in the world or anything like that. I would agree with that. Other notable matchups on this card. Uh, oh, by the way, do you have a prediction for this one? I don't want to give away your whole entire prediction article. You are the prediction guru for MMA fighting after all, but who do you like in this one? I like Gastelum, but this is kind of a weird pick for me because I feel like skill-wise, uh, I kind of like Hermanson a little more, actually. Uh, but and, and I'd like it even more if it was like a main event. If it was a five-round main event, definitely favor Gaslam. I think I love, you know, everyone loves this, knows this guy has an endless gas tank, go 25 minutes easily. Uh, Hermanson is fine too, but I don't know if anyone can quite keep up that pace uh, with Gaslam for five rounds. But I do like him to to push things here. I do think there's a little bit of that sense of desperation that's going to push him uh, push him where he needs to go. Uh, so I'm, I'm leaning towards Gaslam by decision. I reserve the right to change my mind by, uh, by tomorrow morning. But uh, for now, yeah, I'm saying Gaslam. I think Hermanson gets this one done. I think he has the style to really frustrate Gaslam. And Gaslam's seen so many, you know, different looks and different opponents and different styles over the years. But Hermanson has that frustrating style where he could just chip away at you for 15 minutes. So I think he ends up getting a decision here. But like you said, Gaslam has that fight changing power that can turn tides very quickly. So we got to keep our eye on that. But this card is really good because, uh, you know, some of the other matchups on this one, we got Mark Casey against Rafael Fiziev. That's going to be ridiculous at 155. Got the return of Ariane Lipsky against Luana Carolina. Another fun flyweight matchup between Pantoja and Askar Askarov. Asker again, this whole card is very sneaky, no doubt about it. But Alex, again, as a whole, we're flying under the radar with this entire card, but just kind of looking at sort of the, the 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 basement dweller, so to speak, on this card. What fight, fighter, storyline is one that sticks out to you that's just not getting enough love, in your opinion? Two things really surprised me when I about this one fight that I'm going to talk about. Uh, when I just took, took a look at things this morning, uh, that one, Brett Johns, I think, I'm looking at Brett Johns versus Montel Jackson. I think that's an awesome matchup. Uh, I'm a big Brett Johns fan. I, I, I very much campaigned for his... Uh, uh, his finish, uh, wh- wh- which one was it? Uh, the calf slicer of Joe Soto. I thought that was, I don't know, what was it, last year? Am I thinking about Brett Johns? Am I, am I mixing up Brett Johns with someone else? Didn't he do the calf slicer? Yeah, that was in 2018 Oh, yeah. Uh, you know what? COVID-19 year 2020. Before the Sterling fight. We've lost track of all time. Uh, I believe that was the same year <laughs> as the uh, as the Mighty Mouse, uh, the Whiz Bar. And I remember campaigning. I, I love that cash laser on Joe Soto so much. But uh, I, he did it so fast, too. This is a 30 seconds, something like that. So uh, I'm a big Brett Johns fan. I know he lost a little bit of buzz because he, you know, he, he was given a couple of step up fights. 
Pedro Munoz, Osman Sterling, and he lost those guys. And that's fine, you know, and then he got sort of bumped back down the contender rankings. But I still think this guy is just world class. Uh, and Montel Jackson, also a really, really good prospect. I'm surprised to see, according to Topology, that Montel Jackson is a two to one favorite. So uh, maybe people have fallen off the uh, Brett Johns bandwagon more than I thought. Maybe people are much, much higher on Montel Jackson than, than I, I would have thought. But that I think is really one to watch. I think both those guys still have the potential to be future uh, contenders at 135. So I like that one. I don't hear anyone talking about it. Yes, there's two really sneaky ones for me. One, Grant Dawson versus Nad yeah. Naramani, because Dawson's looked so good since getting into the UFC off the Contender Series. He's a guy that I've been watching for a long time now, you, you know, while he's on the regional scene. And Naramani is an explosive guy who's going to give Dawson probably his biggest test to date in the octagon. Really love that fight. And the other... I actually agree with you on the, for sure, but I think this might be the sneakiest fight on the full slate of Fight Island events. Say. I know what you're going to say. Yeah, Johns versus Jackson. I, I love that wow. fight so much. Like, Johns, you know, he had the two straight losses against Sterling and Munoz, but he was able to bounce back, hit that really awesome fight with Tony Gravely back in January. And now he's taking on, in my opinion, one of, if not the absolute best prospects at 135 pounds of Montel Jackson. It's nine and one. Lone loss was on super short notice in his UFC debut against Ricky Simone at UFC 227, I'm pretty sure. But since then, submission of Brian Kelleher and then two just flat-out dominant decision wins over Andre Sukumta and Felipe Colares. This kid is an exciting talent. This is going to be the biggest test of his career to this point, but this is a guy in Montel Jackson that I could see in the next year, year and a half, could fight for the belt. I think he's that good. I thought you were going to throw out a third option. That's why I, I thought you were going to also add, uh, and we should mention it, Davi Hamos and Arman Sarukian, because this is a grappler's delight. When I saw this fight announced, I, I squealed. I remember when this fight uh, broke. And, and uh, Sarukian is such an exciting wrestler. I know I know these days, you know, people don't always equate wrestling with excitement, but he is a really good, exciting sort of dynamic wrestler, very aggressive. And Hamos is is just insane on the ground. His jiu-jitsu is, is, and submission skills are, are just absolutely elite. So that fight, which is uh, second up on the prelims, that's another one to watch. And uh, yeah, so we just mentioned three fights that I don't know how much people are talking about them, but I hope people give those fights a shot because those are going to be high, high quality fights. And Pantoja and Askarov is so yeah. good. They didn't mention that. And I think what's interesting about that fight is Pantoja was under the impression that he was going to be the backup fighter for the title fight. And especially with the COVID-19 news, like he might, he must've been thinking throughout this whole process, like I'm, I might be fighting for the belt here. Like I'm feeling pretty good about it. And when you're, you're about to step into the octagon with a guy like Askar Askarov, man, you, you gotta be as, as open-minded and as clear headed as you could possibly be. That's a tough fight for for Pantoja, especially with all this going on in his mind that he could be he could have been fighting for the title. Is there a chance that maybe he, uh, you know, took his foot off the gas a little bit when it comes to Askarov with with this title hope in the back of his mind? Uh, Mike, how can there you know, I, I don't think he's going to overlook someone like Askar Askarov, uh, undefeated fighter, absolute stud at flyweight. Uh, but how can there not be an emotional letdown? Uh, I think I think it was like a week ago, you know, that we heard about Figueredo's uh, positive COVID-19 test. And if you're if you're Pantoja, you're on that same card. You know, you're one of the top contenders. You know, you can make championship weight. You have to at least be thinking, man, if something happens, I'm probably the guy they're going to call. And then within a few days, you know, it became official all the, you know, that we knew that, yes, he actually was designated as the replacement for uh, for the main event if, if either Figueredo or, or Jose Benavidez uh, should fall out. So, you know, 
just his head had to be checking every day what was going on with Figueredo, what was going on, what, is he going to get tested again, what, what, is he flying into Abu Dhabi, when is he flying in? Uh, after all that, how is he possibly going to make weight? Um, and then, you know, the, update, the updates kept coming in, positive updates for Figueredo's case. And uh, again, if, but if you're in Pantoja, as focused as he is on his opponent, he had to always have in the back of his mind, what if? What As of this morning, up until this morning, he had to be thinking. But he made 125, uh, Pantoja did, so he was clearly ready, you know, should something happen. But yeah, I, I don't see, I wouldn't blame him. I wouldn't assume, but I wouldn't blame him if there was some sort of emotional letdown between possibly fighting for the title and then again, just kind of going back to your uh, original uh, main card opener matchup. Should be a fun one tomorrow night on ESPN Plus. UFC Fight Island 2 in Abu Dhabi. Vacant flyweight title on the line. Davis and Figueiredo versus Joseph Benavides 2. Of course, we will have all of your event coverage straight through the event on MMAfighting.com. The Brazilian beast, Guilherme Cruz, is in Abu Dhabi, crushing it, doing the damn thing. And we'll be uh, covering everything after the fight as well. So keep it locked right here on MMAfighting.com. That'll do it. Another preview show is in the books. Pew, pew, pew. Alex Kaylee. Thank you very much. I am Mike Heck, Casey Lydon on, on the production side in the truck. Thank you for watching, and we will see you all tomorrow night. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.